mamas gave us till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not shrinks. We're not psychics. We're not shamans. No, and cancer's pretty hard, too. I so mean, cancer's a little hard. You might hear some swearing words some in swears. the episode. Ben, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment. Hi, Mimi. <laughs> hey, Leanna. We are talking about something super upbeat. Okay, so you're smiling from ear to ear, and and the audience can sound, hear from the sound of your voice that you're very excited. But we're talking about guilt and shame. I mean, are you putting on a weird like happy clown face? Yes, I am. What's going on? I am being overly optimistic uh-huh. about our conversation about guilt and shame. All right, maybe we're feeling a little guilt and shame. Oh, I I feel a lot of guilt. So we're still recovering from PodCon. Oh, I mean, I'm recovering from like the holidays. <laughs> Just gonna say, we're both cute chicks. We don't look great. We're a little worn out. I look amazing. Joking. You don't think I look great? No, I'm kidding. <gasps> kidding. Mimi's throwing shade. I'm tired. It's hard in Boston in the winter too. Oh. Boston. It's like everything's coated in unnecessary salt right now. There's still like four inches of ice I saw in the shade that hasn't melted, even though it's like 50 today. But there's also lots of unnecessary salt. And I just think... <laughs> no, there is. Like in my neighborhood, there's not a lot of ice. Superfluous salt. Yeah, there's superfluous salt. It's just gross. Like there's all sorts of frost heaves in the roads. It's dirty. It is. And it's so dark. It's just dark, there's long no sun. nights, short days. It's It's been it's been a rough time so uh we have not been very consistent this yeah so what have we been doing this month well we went to podcon and we've had a lot of things going on too so we sort of lost a little bit of track when we were getting ready for podcon with our regular monday issuances of the podcast because uh, i am still learning in the audio editing well you know but whatever so also other stuff was going on so last week we just decided things were just a little much oh i came over as i recall i came over and I was like, everything's terrible. Let's record our podcast. And, and I said, hey, maybe <laughs> we should go see some stand-up comedy instead. <laughs> so we didn't record. We did not. We went to Capo around the corner. Had amazing gnocchi, lobster gnocchi. Great tip if you're in Boston. Um, they have free stand-up comedy in the basement. The comedians are like outnumbered the audience about two to three to one, <laughs> I would say. I mean, there weren't that few. They're, it's all right comedy. Like, it's pretty good. The MC is pretty good. And you can eat, like, lobster gnocchi. It was very distracting, and it gave me a reason to live, so... Exactly. We had a good time. It was a, it would have been a rough week for Leanna. She did a rough time. Uh, just, you know, deadlines at work, and I got ghosted for the first time. Yeah, with a guy who I'd had some hopes and dreams for. I mean, you had, like, very unrealistic hopes and dreams. <laughs> he lived near me, so I just wanted Leanna to be my neighbor. It's true. Oh I was God. projecting a you... little bit much on to this whole situation. You were planning marriage and babies. I was not planning marriage and babies. It's just what I do. <laughs> Can't I help was working it. very hard. No, I just risk. Like, I know. Yeah, uh, but when he, but you know what? I also, I also know when to call it. 
Well, I think we've both had really intensive times at yeah. work too. And that's and that's part of the guilt and shame too. So let's get into that. Like so it's really interesting. So I felt a lot of guilt and shame about leaving my job when I first got diagnosed. You know, oh my God, I'm getting off the track. I'm gonna so fall so far behind, but it's the responsible thing to do. But oh my God, whatever. And I felt so much guilt and shame. I obsessed about it all the time. You know, I obsessed about it. And then getting back into work. Everyone's mantra is, well, don't work so hard. But you can't not. Right. But like when you're at a certain level in your career, yeah, you can't not work so hard, especially when you're restarting in a new job, right? Like it's just not. The learning curve is hard. Yeah. So there's a lot of, I feel a lot of conflicting messages within myself and from the exterior and the interior. It's just, you know, about performing and getting my career back together. I'm in a job that I, you know, I really rather like. And sometimes I do work hard and that seems okay. Um, But then I do get criticized sometimes for doing that. I mean, and I think I would be getting criticized if I didn't have a job. Well, I don't even know how I'd pay the bills. Well, whatever you did, you would get criticized. Yeah, it's really hard sometimes after cancer because it's just a whole new level. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I was just getting used to being a working woman to begin with when I got diagnosed. And then all of a sudden, it's like this whole other layer of like working woman, cancer patient, single. Well, because life isn't easy before cancer. We like idealize it. Right. It's our nostalgia. We're like, oh, the good old days, the 50s. I actually wouldn't say that I over idealized. It. I, I won't say that. I don't think I would say that I ever idealized it, but it's added a new layer, I would say. Right. Just another layer of like, okay, here's another complexity that you have to deal with guilt and shame about maybe you're working too hard, which as a New Englander doesn't come up a lot before cancer because most people are like, keep working harder, work your way through it. Well, if you're family. not where you want to be by 30, I was told, then you're like never going to get there. I mean, I was where I wanted to be at 30, I guess. Yeah. But I I didn't want to stay there either. You know what I mean? And like, I'm, I guess I am pretty ambitious. And I, but like, I don't want to let cancer take that away from me either. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, again, like there's there's a lot of conflict, which leads to that those guilty, shamey feelings. And I don't know. I just rely a lot on my therapist. Anyway, how about you? Well, I mean, it's just it's just so hard to like tease out the guilt and shame feelings because you're having so many like oh well maybe I feel dark inside because I just had my breast cut open or maybe I feel dark inside because I was just poisoned like pick your choice right so when you tease out the guilt and the shame I mean it's helpful to like give it a name but it's also like how do I even know Mm-hmm. what I'm guilty or feeling shameful about. Mm-hmm. So which piece of this is <laughs> like right. you, you're just you're sort of covered in a fog. It's the layers again. Okay. We're coming back to the layers. There's lots of layers of guilt and shame. <gasps> oh my god. So I feel a little bit guilty for like limping along in my career because I was like I had like hit it at Harvard. Right. I wanted to be like launched into the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then this comes along and I'm like, oh whoa, I can't I can't do that. There is no launching while you're going through chemo. Yeah. And so I was like, I think that I like I have to get off this ride. Yeah. So I um switched jobs in the middle of all of this. Did you feel guilty about that? Oh. <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel guilty in the best of times. Like, under the best of circumstances, Uh I will feel guilty for, like, leaving people shorthanded or the consequences on my, the co-workers that I left behind. Right. Like, it's really hard to be like, I wash my hands of you and, like, good luck. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really hard thing under the best circumstances. So um, during this time period, when I couldn't set my um, previous employer up for anything, um, because whenever I leave a job, I would, I would like, give them spreadsheets and, like, make sure that everything was running automatically for, like, four months out. I felt horrible about that. And this job, I couldn't do that. So I was like, oh, well, good luck. I felt the same way. I had to leave so suddenly and abruptly. It was ridiculous. And I didn't have the bandwidth to do much else. Well, you don't have the bandwidth for anything. And then you have to start a new job. And you're learning a new job. Well, I'm sort of over that immediate learning curve now. But, yeah, it's really pretty hard. Hard. I mean, it's hard to restart in your 40s. You know what I mean? It's hard, it's hard to, not to be restart an ever. Right. And I also had hit just like a stride in my career. And then, you know, that didn't work. And I welcome change and I welcome doing something different and new. And I'm I, back. Don't, I don't know that I welcome change. Well, I mean, look, I had just launched a project I've been working on for 12 years. So the thought of me staying there for another 12 years wasn't going to happen. I was going to have, I mean, I was in my early 40s. So I was going to have another job and then another job, probably two more jobs before my retirement or three. You know what I mean? Well, I'm like probably two. Yeah. But so so what this did, though, was just created a gap in between. And in the end, I decided to come back to publishing and I can't say that it was a wrong thing I was in publishing years ago and I've entered it in a sort of a different way but I'm definitely I, back into publishing and it really feels good I moved out here to be in publishing it's a dying industry so it's really hard to have a good job in it and I feel blessed that I do and it's really nice but man getting here has been hard and it's not an easy industry to be in right now and I've finally hit my stride like eight months into this new job and I think it's feeling good and I'm meeting my goals, but poof, doing it with cancer. I mean, I had to build, I felt my strength building up. I mean, I was so exhausted. Like in the beginning, my boyfriend had to drive me to work. Now, never. I mean, but I have to think back at that because I'm like, wow, I'm getting stronger. But like taking the bus to work felt like a big adventure in the beginning. Do you well, know what I mean? Well, that's a lot of work. Well, in Boston especially, we have a really challenging public transportation system. In the dark and the cold. And you have to hang on to, you literally are the strap hanger. Like, and I can't hang on a strap anymore. Yeah, I can't it's hang on a strap It's not an option. Either. And no one sees that there's anything wrong with me. Anyway, we're, we, I don't want to go into like a public transportation K-hole, but it is dark. <laughs> And I real. Mean, it's a little dark. <laughs> you're standing with all these 20-somethings who are just like, fuck you, I'm not getting up out of my seat. Oh, and you're pressed against <sighs> everybody. Everybody, everything. You know everyone intimately. Lots of cologne. Oh, and axe, B.O. Axe. It's just everyone, everyone is very smelly. In Southie, it's lots of frosted hair, badly done, axe cologne. Oh, it's like in the 20s. Okay, we're, we, right. we love Boston. Yeah, no. We're going to love it in like a month or two. No, we love, I love it here. I, I do love it too. It's just, I think the thing about loving Boston is that you also have to hate it equally. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a real love. The real love. Yes. The, the real re- love. It's Fam- the realistic love. The familial no, love. No rose colored glasses. Exactly. So there are cycles of guilt too. Like it pulls you down. Like oh, you, well, you can spiral a little bit, right? Like you can well, start to like do the whole like 
It's Miasma. that the guilt causes the shame, and then yes. the shame produces more guilt. So you get caught on that merry-go-round. Well, also, you take so much, right? You take so much on. You also take a lot from other people. I mean, yeah. Did you not feel that? Did you not feel like... I mean, because your family was flying out here a lot. Yes. My family gave me a lot of support. So do mine. And that that's like time and that's money. And these are older people. Some of them. Yeah. My my 90-year-old grandma offered to come out. I'm like, Grandma, wow. you can't come upstairs. <laughs> like, I have a walk-up. Grandma, my pug- prognosis is not so great, but it's better than yours. So, I mean, sorry. maybe. My grandma's like, uh, she's a... She's, a, she's probably going to live longer than both of us. Yeah, so. she's a battle axe. <laughs> yeah. We should be so blessed. No, yeah. it's, it's just... It's really hard to get out of it once you are in it. Yeah. And, like, who absolves you? There's, like, not a Thanks Cancer Church. There's not an ending either. There's just sort of a piddling away of support. And they, there needs to be. Do you know what I mean? But it's we, like a weird ending. There's no like big party, like your cancer's over because it's not, you're all just waiting for five years. Like, um, well, and no one are tells you? you that you're in remission anymore. No one They does. don't tell you anything. They used to tell you that there was no evidence There's no of big disease. scan. They don't scan you anymore when you have breast cancer. They're no, just like. They, they mammogram. Not when you still have a breast. When oh. you don't have a breast, they're like, nope, no more. Oh, they're just like, good luck. Yep, they're like, we don't want to radiate you anymore because you have bad oncogenes and we could listen to our radiation episode. We could kill you by doing that. So No, it's secondary cancers. Right. So, yeah. So, no, I don't get anything done, Leanna. It's all just wow. like feeling my liver, feeling my spleen, all the things. And do I have any symptoms of brain cancer? Mm-hmm. And now I'm almost three years. I actually am. I'm three years out for new evidence of disease with brain cancer. Like as of now, as of around now, because no one knows when it left my body. Right. They just know it left my body at some point, like a ghost. I mean, no, so, it's still there. It's just lower levels. But let's talk about some of that too. So like, so one of the things I feel guilt and shame about is the weird miracle medicines that were kept to keep me alive. And you and I both are coming in around a million dollars. I may be a million plus for our treatments. I, I, I think I'm at least that. I think I'm 1.5. And that's like, a weird guilt. They had to, like, the fertility process is like... Oh, you had the fertility. Yeah, so I don't even know right. how much that was. So I had some medication that was $30,000 a bag because I was on a trial of it. Oh, and my it was, God. It was, I, and I had nine treatments of it. Well, and those Lupron shots or those um, Nulasta shots, the how things that hurt worth? your bones. Oh, that's like 50 grand or <gasps> 80 grand or something. You, The prices here are like crazy. It's just, it's insane. And so my trial medication was covered by Genentech because they were the ones who had the medication. So mm-hmm. that was not, it's not something I had to pay for. Well, and insurance covered mine. Yeah. Insurance covered a lot of my stuff. Like you and I were just like doing merrily like $20 copays in yeah. a lot of it, if if that, because I've spent, you know, $3,000, like, already. Yeah. I had Blue Cross Blue Shield, Massachusetts, as my um, first. I was on a private plan through a company. Then I was on the public plan, and I can't say enough about them. They've been great. Well, I pay I, a lot for it, but it's worth it. So one of the things I have guilt and shame about is how good my insurance was. Because Do you have guilt and shame in, in comparison to other people, you're saying? I'm saying that... It's like insurance guilt? Well, no. I talk to other cancer survivors and people are like financial toxicity. And I know that that exists, but I didn't have that. 
because I was working at a job that would give me the time off and mm. I would have all of that. So, so people are talking to me like I know what they're talking about but when didn't I didn't experience, experience that. that. Mm-hmm. So I have like guilt and shame that I'm like not, I don't have enough cancer cred. I feel that way sometimes when people have had kids. Oh, because that's like a whole other layer. Because I feel it's layer. a different, like, that's like Major League Baseball, and I'm in, like, the Pony League. You know what I mean? I'm, like, in the... They're not even know. keeping score at yeah, nine. Yeah, I'm just, like, I, I'm, like, in the high school. They're, like, in, like, they're competing for the pros, and I, I just, I feel a huge, vast difference with that. Oh, I, yeah. like, being a single... So a lot of, I think, people think bad for me because I didn't have a lot of support, and I didn't have... But I also didn't have to support a lot of people, too. Well, you know what I mean? That's I don't thing. have it's to like, feel... I've been single... And, and without children, but I, I don't did... have to feel guilty about um, not pulling my weight in a relationship. Because... Right, because there's the guilt in that too. When you look at your husband and he looks at you like sad eyes, like, like you might look die what I soon did for leave you. me with these two children and yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Oh, managing other people's feelings. But this is something that a lot of people go through. And this is why so many relationships break up too. 50% roughly when a spouse gets cancer. Yeah. Not yeah. great. I mean, but that's also the same stats as like normal people too. So who the hell knows anymore? You Every know I mean? relationship so ends up. in a, a breakup or death. Right. It's like, you know... Whatever. So what else do we have to feel guilt and shame about? (laughs) I mean, I'll tell you something that was really weird for me. I'm a Bikram instructor. And I got back to Bikram. Oh, my God. My re-entry to Bikram could not have been rougher. I mean, Bikram is, like, rough to start with. Okay. But, you know, it was actually, like, my first class was great. And it was fine. But my second class, I walked in. And it was just a cast of characters that I ran into. Like, just I ran into, like... second class after surgery? Second class back. So my situation was I had a series of surgeries, and then finally, like, I could come back before I got another surgery and had to take another break. But I only... I had, like, you know, like, a month and a half to practice. Which is, like, oodles of time, I guess. Not really. (laughs) Not with Bikram. And I was working through not having practice for a long time and being really bloated out from... I was still going through chemo. I was going through immunotherapy. So I was getting immunotherapy. It was causing me major bloat. I walk into the yoga studio. I run smack dab into the woman who has married my ex-boyfriend. Oh, that's not an awkward... One of my boobs at that point was migrating north. Um, oh I was about 20 pounds overweight. <laughs> she felt awkward, too. So I not, mean, it was you just... You were not your best. Not my all. best moment. And I was just like, I'm just trying to come back to Bikram. <laughs> and he was just like, hi. You know, and it was like awkward part two Bikram joke but anyway you know whatever it sucked and then like another guy was like how do you like your new boobs and I was like I don't know (laughs) (laughs) you were like I kind of hate my life moving up and it's not the same as fake boobs Mm -hmm. I don't know it was really weird and I felt and also like so just as a Bikram teacher too like people are aware of your body and stuff and you change in a communal changing room as you know and at certain points, I looked like, again, like World War, like Civil War, I would say, you know, at yeah. certain points, because like the scars look really bad in the beginning. They get like that violet, like magenta hue. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's pretty. Right. And I've had lots of surgeries and it, there's just 
and they my scars fade but in the beginning they're tough and so i'd try to be in the corner changing to be modest but these classes are really crowded sometimes and then sometimes people just be casually talking to you like hey mimi because blah, blah, they don't even know that i've had cancer or breast surgery or anything right but i'm just sort of like oh god i don't want to like turn around and like just be like hey look at this <laughs> I mean, it's very scary breasts. Like you have lovely breasts, right? When they're in a bra, and now they're fine. Like now they look fine without a bra. But like at various points in the process, when I was in that Bikram studio, they looked scary. And I, it's not a pretty process. Okay, but let me just say this: this was a so new experience for my soul because I had always had a perfect body. I was the girl who would go to nudist, like the hot springs and feel totally comfortable. And actually I'd walk through the nudist hot springs where everyone's an exhibitionist and everyone's fit. And everyone would be like, Ooh, she looks good. You know what I'm like? La, la, la. So that was gone for a period of time. And it's never coming back like that. And letting go of that has been an interesting process as someone who never had kids, who never had any scars or anything like that before this. I mean, you have to let go of a lot. I mean, for me, I think my It's letting go of guilt and shame. It's letting go of guilt and shame. Oh my God. Well, for me, my baseline of guilt or shame was much higher because not only was I raised Mormon, I like left the church, which gives you like more to be like guilty and ashamed about. How long had you, when did you leave the church? So I left the church when I was 22, 23. Okay. And you're 36? 35. Oh, okay. 35. Do I look 36? No. (laughs) Sorry. I have, I have guilt and shame about how old I look. Wow. (laughs) You look great. You look much younger than that, actually. You really do. You really do. I wouldn't blow smoke. I, I... I have never suggested Botox or fillers to you, so you know you look good. Serious. Would I... Would you suggest that to me? I'm going to when it's time. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. But I started out with, like, more guilt and shame about my body already, and then, like, going into dating with not a perfect body. Uh, Now after cancer? Yes. Yes. And like, you have a very <coughs> articulated body. <laughs> That's like Leanna. the weirdest like, compliment. I think it's a compliment. It's a high compliment. Leanna's got a very hourglass figure. I mean, I was called Hootie McMovin. That was my nickname. Okay. <laughs> Jessica Rabbit comes to mind. I mean, so like both, but both you and I like had to start dating in the after process. Yeah. Like if you're married and you deal with the guilt and shame of a husband, then in the after process, I guess the guilt and shame might be less because you're not going into a new relationship. You're like continuing. I don't know. I think there's just different shades of guilt and shame. Because I think if you stay with the husband, you're feeling guilty that, like, your body's changed. And is he just staying with you because he feels guilty? Because he's a nice guy? Right. Because you you share bank accounts. I mean, I worried about that with my boyfriend, who I broke up with during the process. And I broke up with him. He did not break up with me. I broke up with him. And... I worried that he wouldn't break up with me, even if things were crap, because right. he, would, he was a nice person. He was yeah. a good person. And, you know, we did love each other, but it was not going to work. Well, I mean, you can love each other and like... We all know. Right. Exactly. I mean, I've been married twice. I know. Do you know what I mean? And we're at the age where we all know. So, I mean, I would hope. Not Maybe not everyone knows, but I know, I think at this point. So anyway... 
Yeah, there's a lot of guilt and shame around all of it, whichever side you're on. I mean, there that is uh, one of my protocols. Right. Let's like, get into protocols, babe. There is no escaping the guilt and shame. Like, it will find you, and it will, if you ignore it, it will come back. Right. Like, there is no getting away from it, and you have to do it. Like, you have to go through the guilt and shame and be vulnerable. So, I'm down with that. I basically agree with you. And I'm going to also counter that, too. Because, okay, while I I dealt with a lot of guilt and shame about certain things, through the process, I feel that I burnt off a lot of the guilt and shame. And I feel liberated right now. So, I, I did. I mean, I will just say, and this is so weird. Like, I'm saying this on a podcast that's going out to, we know, it's going out to a substantial number of people. And like I, a surprising number of people. It shocks us. So, thank you. We love you. We really do. And Ooh, um, I, I would like to see who you are. Anyway, so I used to be so ashamed of saying, oh, I don't feel that I have enough savings. And I was really good about that stuff. Like I saved up about two and a half years of savings. Oh my God. Living expenses? Yeah. You should have that. And so... I think 40% of us like don't. I think that maybe more than 40%. So I would say... So I always felt the need to have that savings and I always felt bad that I wasn't making enough money as I should or this and that. And so I went through cancer and I had to clear out all of my savings because it was the rainy day that you save for it was literally like why you save that money is because if you get cancer soon yeah you're you're in the deluge so you better spend the money like it's time to build the ark (laughs) bring on the animals so it was the time and so for the first time in my life i feel completely liberated about saying wow i had to clear out my savings i would never say that i you know i would never normally say like wow i had to clear out my savings and it's a miracle i kept my house i would never normally say that in polite company but suddenly when you've had cancer you you can say that and, and it, you can and, speak the truth right and also you can talk to people about having enough savings so while you guys i had two and a half year savings i want everyone to remember i'm a single woman who bought her house in 2009 in boston okay so oh, that huge was downturn. Brilliant. I, am, downturn i am waiting right. for another like great depression so think about right so let's not dwell on that but think about if you have two or three kids and you get cancer and you or your spouse has to leave work, or maybe both of you have to leave work, you need to think about having maybe three to five years worth of savings to make up for the deficit you're gonna find yourself in. I don't like where I am right now financially. It's scary. It's not, I have have less padding than I've had in my life and I don't feel comfortable. I'm getting through, but just think about this. And also if it's really bad and you've already found yourself in this situation, family reach is there to help you. Please look out to them. Familyreach.org. I, I wish I was married with kids just so I could take advantage of family. Reach. No, you don't have to just have kids to reach out to family reach. Anyone yeah. can. Yeah. Anyone oh. can. But I want to tell you, you guys, you have to always have savings and you have to like exercise and save money like you're going to get cancer tomorrow and drink water. You have to put money stretch. in the bank. Right. Put money in the bank. Put money in the bank. Well, I mean, okay. Do we have any other protocols that we missed? I mean, 
I think like what we can also talk about is how you diffuse the guilt. Like, how did you diffuse the guilt? Oh my God. I feel like I'm still doing that. Like me too, all the time. I mean, so I think that the way to do that is to, the more you talk about it, the more you realize that it's normal. It's like shining a light. Yes. To find the victory in the dark. <laughs> you you have to bring the flashlight with you into the dark. Um, but yeah. it like creates that up cycle. We were talking about like the negative cycle of guilt and shame before, but the more you talk about something, the more you realize it's totally normal. The more other people feel comfortable talking about it, the more everyone else feels like it's this good cycle instead of the bad cycle. The benevolent cycle instead of the benevolent, <laughs> the negative. Yes, yeah, so it's the cycle. We need it to have it a. We need it to have a punchy name. Like the cycle of guilt and shame is like punchy, but the cycle of like figuring out that we're all going through this weird thing together. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't roll off the tongue as well. No, we need. We'll come up. Branding. We need to work on that. We'll work okay. on that. All right. <laughs> so how I've worked things out is with my therapist. Um, I feel super lucky that I've had a therapist, the same one since two thousand and one, um, and just being able to have her as a sounding board, and then also just having some of my family members and some of my friends as a sounding board, and I'd say you included in this, and this podcast included in this too. <laughs> I um, would tell you if you were crazy. Well, I don't really need that kind of validation, but who am I now? Oh my God. Right? Like, who am I now? And I feel that, you know, more and more I'm feeling like cancer stripped me down and that's exactly what I needed. That was too much. Yeah. Back to the layers, layers, hashtag layers. I mean, I feel like we're going like from deep to shallow to deep. Well then, okay. So I'm going to go deep again. Honesty is another thing that I've felt too. Like I am in an unapologetic way myself more than ever. And that's been cool. And that's been a huge benefit. And it's something that I needed to go through the guilt and shame. And I, I think I felt a lot of guilt and shame about the unauthentic parts of me. And now that stuff got burnt off. It got burnt off by the guilt and shame and chemo and the trauma and the the tsunami. Well, like you don't have any, you can't take anything with you into the Phoenix fire. Mm -mm. You come out a skeleton. Are you going to rebuild? I don't, I don't like this process. I don't think a phoenix ever chooses that role. I don't. I I don't think anyone ever chooses that role to be the phoenix because it's, bloody it's it hurts it chooses you it chooses you and i think that's one of the things that's gotten me over the guilt and shame of just recognizing i didn't make this happen it kind of happened to me and this is my soul's journey and i just gotta keep my head down and keep keeping on and try not to think too much about that 1.5 to 2 million dollars perhaps you know what I mean really it'll send you into an existential crisis it gets really weird you guys we we're gonna talk about that next yeah all right you guys well anyway thank you so much Leanna for being able to get real about this stuff and to let go of the guilt and shame right okay and thanks cancer thanks cancer That was our episode. Thanks for listening to Thanks Cancer. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks Cancer. 
And please, we'd love to hear from you, your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community. So send us your audio files at info at thanksCancer.com. Well, the traffic stopped you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your cancer card. We're your passport date. Trees in the dark.